This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is U.S. Senator John Hoven. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Learn more about the Zero for Zero plan to zero out global sugar subsidies at sugaralliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with North Dakota U.S. Senator John Hoven next. America's sugar growers are among the most efficient and sustainable in the world. But billions of dollars in foreign sugar subsidies have distorted the global market for surplus sugar, driving prices to levels barely one half of global cost of production. Eliminating America's no-cost sugar policy without first reforming the global sugar market would jeopardize family farms, good-paying jobs, and our domestic supply of sugar. A new bill called Zero for Zero takes action to zero out all foreign sugar subsidies and level the playing field. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Drought has had a devastating impact on a number of states of the U.S. this year. North Dakota U.S. Senator John Hoban says this season may be the worst he's seen for farmers and ranchers. Well, we're, we're having real bad drought here in North Dakota. It, it's as bad as I can remember. Of course, it affects uh, all of our producers, certainly uh, our farmers, but it really hits our uh, livestock producers and we're Cascade, as you know, and hits them the hardest. And so we've just gone through a whole range of things to try to help. It started by uh, bringing uh, Richard Flournoy and uh, Zach Ducheneau, the head of RMA and the head of uh, FSA, respectively, out to our state and taking them around so they could see just how uh, just how bad it is. And then we've gotten some steps out of both of them that are helpful, but clearly more to do. And I know that you included some funds or were able to include some funds in the FY22 budget. The question is, are the dollars adequate for either your crop or your livestock producers? So that's what I mean in terms of how we're approaching this. There's some near-term stuff we're doing and then some longer-term stuff. Uh, the legislation part takes a little longer, so... First, you know, on the, on the farm side, the first thing is that we uh, had asked uh, uh, Director Flournoy to uh, make sure that we had the flexibility uh, with our crop insurance so that they uh, could get adjusted out. And if, if some of that crop could be uh, either used for forage or bailed up and used for hay, that they had the uh, opportunity to do that for those producers that have livestock as well as farming or to help out their neighbor. And he was very responsive. We had him out, and I would say within a week, 10 days later, uh, he had that order out providing flexibility to our farmers. And so that's very helpful in in the short term on the farm side. And then I think with crop insurance, you know, that's going to really help them as, as uh, well. And then, uh, yeah, we, we uh, actually now I've gotten through full Senate Approps Committee, uh, just over $7 billion, and about 6.3 of that will go into the WIP Plus program. And uh, so then, but that's going to take us some more time. You know, that that we're looking more closer towards your end before we get that. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the plan on the on the farm side right now. On on the, the but it's tougher on the livestock side in terms of the emergency funding we got. It's about seven hundred and fifty million. But again, my concern is you know we're looking probably closer to your end before we get that actually through the whole process. I, I've got it through the full Senate approach, but you know obviously we've got to get it through uh, across Senate floor and over to the and get the House to join us. So that's a little longer. We, we need to get them help in the short term. So the first steps that uh, that uh, Ducheneau, Director Ducheneau, was able to get done uh, with us is that we do have haying and grazing on CRP acres, um, 
and we have uh, on, on PP acres. Uh, and the thing that I'm working on right now is we have the LFP Livestock Forage Program, which is supposed to cover about 60% of uh, your, your uh, cost to go out and get the hay uh, over a five-month stretch. But uh, that's not enough, and so what we're trying to do is get more out of ELAP, the Emergency Livestock Assistance Program. Right now it pays for hauling water, but the flexibility is there, and the funding is there at USDA. We've worked uh, on both those for ELAP to also cover the cost of going and getting hay, and so that's the piece I hope to get out here in the next, uh, as, as soon as we can. And I talk to Zach on a weekly or daily almost basis about getting that piece going so we can get these cattle producers through to the disaster assistance we'll work to get them through that we're working to get them through the uh, the legislative process and so that they can try and keep those core herds intact of course you run into a situation the drought and the effects of the drought are happening now in congress washington you're about to go into the august recess would slow down any legislative process from there yeah, but I've already moved it. I, I've moved it through the full on the Senate side. I've moved it through the full Senate approach process. So we're we're in. I mean, we're ahead. We worked ahead. Yeah, we worked ahead of the process. So I don't know that you know. In t- the bigger thing is getting the, the year end funding in place. Now, if that happens at the end of September, we're in great shape. But if we end up with a CR, that could get punted to year end. That's why my push now is to get USDA to give us some help in the near term till we get to that disaster assistance and obviously i'm pushing not only zach but secretary vilsack and also working to get him out here which always helps i think to 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 speed that process up but that's why i'm saying we it's it's a two two-step deal we need some near-term help to get our guys through to, to some of the uh the legislated disaster assistance so speaking of spending uh, the Senate uh, this past week has made progress. You do have a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. Is it everything that you wanted? Is it everything that is needed for the true infrastructure of the country? Well, there, there's some things that I think are important. One, it has to uh, not raise taxes. can't be raising taxes. Uh, it has to be focused on, on actual infrastructure, not other things. And uh, and the other thing is reasonable pay-fors. And the CBO didn't give full credit on the pay-fors. For example, they didn't give credit for money that actually was taken out of the out of the coronavirus packages and used here. But but that is an actual reasonable pay-for. So those those things are important. But the key is is this: uh, we have to make sure that we're not advancing this 3.5 trillion dollar tax and spend bill, uh, which is a separate bill. Uh, but uh, the Democrats are also calling it social infrastructure, so it's confusing a lot of people. But that that would be very bad, and, and uh, I voted against it. I'm going to continue to oppose it because that's not only that is not infrastructure. That that's just a bunch of spending programs, and they'd raise taxes, including raising taxes on our hardworking farmers and ranchers. And we can't have that. We you know we can't have things like taking away stepped-up basis or, or capital gains or the estate tax. I mean, that's how, you know, those family farms stay family farms. And so that's something that's going to be very, very important and, and that, to, to work on, and, and I hope we can prevent that from happening. It's obvious that the nation in the COVID crisis, there were places that money had to be spent. And as I recall, $6.5 trillion has been laid down for covid uh, another trillion dollars here with regard to infrastructure. Can we afford another three and a half trillion dollar package no. for social programs? Absolutely, no, no, absolutely not. Again, and it's not just the spending; it's, it's the higher taxes. And 
that that uh, not only is it like say a problem for our, our farmers or ranchers and small business, but that hits everybody because it affects our economy adversely, and it, and it also increases inflation. And inflation is a tax that hits everybody. And so, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to have some limited amount and make sure it's focused on hard infrastructure and it's paid for and, and you don't raise taxes. But this $3.5 trillion, we absolutely, no, that's absolutely bad for America. And as you say, we put out a lot of funding to help with coronavirus. That is not something we should do. And uh, like I say, I voted against it. I'm going to continue to work to try to 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 make sure we don't do it. I'll offer this. Senator Manchin uh, from the Democratic side of the aisle said he had some reservations about the spending, talking about using that amount of money uh, as if we were responding to something as serious as as a recession. So from that side of the aisle, it sounds like there are others that are concerned about the fiscal aspects of this measure. That's the whole point. We're trying to reach out to the moderate Democrats and say, look, we've done stuff in terms of of uh, addressing coronavirus in a bipartisan basis. Those bills last year were bipartisan until then when Democrats took over this year, they put through $1.9 trillion in funding uh, for, uh, they called it the American Rescue Plan, but they, they did it purely on a party-line basis. There was absolutely no Republican votes for that, yet all the stuff we did last year when we were in the majority, those were bipartisan. The most votes we lost on any one of those bills last year was eight votes, meaning we had 92 votes or more on any coronavirus help. We took care of the issue, as you say, spent uh, a lot of money, too much money, and then uh, the Democrats come in, they put through $1.9 trillion, all on Democrat vote, and then we say, okay, we'll do some reasonable hard uh, infrastructure, but showing that, you know, we can be bipartisan, do some, but, and then, but they say, no, we want to spend this $3.5 trillion calling it infrastructure when it's not, and uh, and raise taxes. And, we, and no, that, that obviously we're opposed to that. We're going to continue to oppose it. That's not the thing to do. And as you say, the key is we need moderate Democrats to join with us to stop us. So I hope people reach out to those those moderate Democrats and say, hey, you know, get together with Republicans on a bipartisan basis and put a stop to that. Now, from the Agriculture Committee, Chair One Stabenow has calling for $50 billion for some additional conservation spending, uh, obviously toward practices that might also help uh, farmers be more um, environmentally sustainable. Is that an yeah. area that you could support in some fashion or another? Yeah, that's the right way to approach things. If we're going to do stuff, let, let's think about how we do this in a bipartisan basis, get bipartisan buy-in, and, and then make sure it's farmer-friendly. All these programs, you know, every time somebody has an idea in Washington to do something, my first uh, question or comment to them is, is it farmer-friendly? Uh, whatever it is. And uh, so that's got to be the approach here. And, uh, you know, John Bozeman is our ranking member on the Full Ag Committee, and he and I are extremely close, and he's just a just a tremendous guy. We couldn't have a better guy in that position you know he's working on it and and kind of leading the parade on our side and doing it right making sure that this is farmer friendly that it's not a big uh government program but there are some benefits there uh, for our producers and it's something that could be done on a bipartisan basis so there's been support that has gone to help farmers with covid and with natural disasters is any of this overlapping crop insurance or other risk management tools? And, and, Senator, then from all of this spending, the sum of it all, how does that affect writing a new farm bill when it comes time? 
Yeah, well, so, Senator, again, bipartisanship in terms of uh, how we approach this stuff. Senator Tester, who, who I work with a lot and appreciate the working relationship I have with him, uh, he and I, on a bipartisan basis, just uh, put uh, put down a bill that uh, uh, that will actually help our cattle guys for the longer term. So, as you know, we've built the WIP Plus program. We use that for drought and other uh, disasters and, you know, bad weather. And that's kind of become the, the go-to on the uh, on the farm side. And so now we're doing the same thing. Uh, 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 the bill I have with John Tester would do the same thing on the on the cattle side, where we would, uh, in essence, enhance uh, LFP and, and ELAP so that those programs would work together like I just described to you in a way that, you know, when our producers hit drought or weather like this, they can get through it. Uh, and so... Those are the kind of programs that we want to have in place along with crop insurance and then a counter-cyclical approach in the farm bill so that it's it's both there for our farmers and ranchers when they need it, but it's cost-effective for the taxpayers. And that's the whole point of crop insurance and counter-cyclicality is it's only, it only provides that assistance when you need it. The rest of the time our producers are out there, they're selling into the market, they're you know employing people, they're paying taxes and making this country go. And... Good farm policy benefits every American every day because every single American benefits from that lowest cost in the world, highest quality food supply, like say every day. So, you know, we make the argument this isn't just about farmers and ranchers. This is what's good for the American uh, public as a whole. So the cattlemen, the Cattlemen's Beef Association have been meeting in Nashville uh, this past week, and I've had uh, the fortune to speak with Senator Tester and Senator Grassley and Senator Smith, and now with you, sir. Uh, and all of those had said they really didn't want government involved in cattle price discovery, but all suggested that this system is broken and there needs oh, to yeah. be something done. So the question is, what needs to be done that works for the whole industry, and when could you get it done? Yeah, yeah. It needs to be done sooner versus later. There's a number of things we're working on there. Matter of fact, in, in my Agapropes bill, we actually set up a pilot program for a cattle contract library to provide more transparency in terms of the, the, the cattle uh, contracts and um, more uh, funding for the LMR and various things. We've got to improve pricing transparency, but then we also need more competition, right? And and that that's what you see with uh, Grassley bill and then like say Tester and I are not only on this bill and, and uh, some other bills Mike Rounds is another one but we've got and then we have too much concentration in the packer industry you know that and so AG is going to have to go in there and force uh, more pricing transparency uh, but all these things uh, are designed and, and we've got to we, we've got to get these changes going out because uh, we, we need more pricing competition and more transparency for our cow calf guys. How much support can you provide for local and regional meat processing without throwing things out of balance? More than we're doing now. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> and that comes in two ways. I mean, one, we want to have good programs for those entrepreneurs that want to get out there and get going. You know, have some some good access to capital and things like that, so they can they they can get up and get going. But then the other thing is making sure that they can sell. Uh, across uh, you know state lines and they have reasonable costs and that they can like Angus King's got a bill where they can sell throughout the state rather than just doing custom butcher and then uh, and then Rounds has one where we uh, you know they can sell better across state lines as long as they have a state inspection uh, uh, program that meets the federal requirement and then again that we don't get too bureaucratic with that but if, if they can meet the USDA requirement you know for federal uh, standard. 
through their state uh, inspection program, then that really opens up some doors for some of these. But we, we, that's exactly right. We, we just have to create more opportunities, more avenues for our guys to sell their product to a, a variety of uh, marketers and slaughterhouses, or, you know, small processors, all the way from the small guys up to the big guys. Here's another issue that's been around for a while, and that is immigration reform. Even was thought that perhaps maybe that might be included in an infrastructure bill. Can this Congress, in this environment with this White House, can you ever find some solution for immigration reform and an adequate workforce for agriculture? Yeah, I know I know it's a real challenge for the ag workforce, no question about it. Uh, we have a tremendous number of people up here in North Dakota that come from places like uh, uh, South Africa or Australia or other places like that to help out, with, particularly with the livestock industry, but also with farming and and I know that's true of other places as well. And the problem is it gets wrapped around the actual because, it, you know, you've got this the bigger challenge of immigration. And, and you know, to really get a handle on that, we, we've got to start by stopping what's going on on our southern border. This this is just ridiculous. I've been down there. I, w- I was in Central and South America just recently. I've been down to the border in Texas. I mean, we have got to secure our border. And the thing is, for the in, in order to get the kind of reforms that we need to have, in terms of immigration policy, it starts with border security, and, and that it's unfortunate to say the least that this administration doesn't understand that. But we have got to secure that southern border. I think once you show people that you're going to enforce the border and enforce immigration laws, they're going to be more apt to support the kind of reforms you know that would address ag and, and some of the other issues. This president has supported strongly electric vehicles and infrastructure for electric vehicles. Is the the electrical grid prepared for such an increase in demand? And is our baseload power system up to the task? Our baseload power system is up to the task if the administration will let us continue to provide it. And that means more energy, more low-cost energy, more dependable energy, and more grid reliability. But if you push things like that electrical uh, vehicle approach too far too fast... And then you try to shut down things like our uh, coal-fired base load, uh, nuclear, our, our oil and gas industry. Th- then you defeat the very thing you're trying to accomplish. Furthermore, we're developing the latest, greatest technologies that actually reduce CO2 emissions. And that applies on whether you're talking about coal-fired electric oil and gas or whether you're talking about biofuels. We're working right now with our ethanol plants to actually capture the CO2 they produce. So... You know, American ingenuity will handle all these things, but don't be throwing up regulations and roadblocks and picking winners and losers. Create the right environment, the right incentives, and, and American ingenuity will address this with uh, not only adequate base load uh, from all these different sources, but with grid reliability and everything else. And we've seen how important that is, and both in terms of uh, you know some of the cyber attacks on our uh, on our grid but also with weather events like we've had the brownouts in California and, and, and then the issues with that the, the, the uh, polar vortex that went all the way down to, to Texas. So you see, how, you see how important it is that we have this baseload we need to keep it. And I want to throw one other thing in here. The administration just asked OPEC to produce more oil. That is ridiculous. That is at a time when they're preventing us from going out and doing more oil and gas and leasing on, on federal land. So, again, it's about having the right kind of energy policy, and that's an energy policy where we produce energy here at home in America from all sources, including 
the great biofuels that our farmers and ranchers produces as well. Senator, last question for you before we close, and it comes to the subject of trade. Do you have any concerns that the Greg Dowd position at the USTR, the chief ag negotiator, or Ted McKinney at USDA, those spots are still not filled yet? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And and because those guys did a heck of a job. I mean, we went nose to nose with the the Chinese, and that's why. And I give the Trump administration real credit for that. I mean, they went and they pushed. You know, they worked open uh, the EU on on the livestock side, but. You know, that's why we had to put some of those programs in place like uh, CFAP and, and MFP and so forth, uh, because, you know, we had the Chinese targeting our producers in, in terms of uh, trade. But now once that trade spigot got opened up, you saw the resulting impact on commodity prices. And, and that's the whole key. Our guys want to raise crops and, uh, and uh, you know, and animals and, and sell them all over the world. And nobody does it better than our guys do, given half a chance. So that that... that Trade push has to constantly be there, and the other thing is we got to be tough. We want we want open markets, but we want fair markets too. And and for years people have been taking advantage of us, so it, it's about being tough too. But we need people in those slots, and we need people that that will take that approach. Senator Hoven, thank you so much for taking time to be with us on this edition of Open Mike. You've been here before, and you know today you've got the last word. Well, just uh, the last word's always the same. Last word is that. Uh, every single American benefits every single day from what our farmers and ranchers do and from good farm policy because it's all about them producing the, the uh, lowest cost, highest quality food supply in the world every every day for every American. Our thanks to North Dakota U.S. Senator John Hoven, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Learn more about the Zero for Zero plan to zero out global sugar subsidies at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.